Now listen, guys, I'm really, I'm really fairly tired today. We hope so. That's why we hope so. And so, <laughs> you into this. <laughs> I'm just telling you, it may take me longer to think. And that's okay because yeah. he can fill in the long gaps or cut them out. We know, we know where the it delete is. button okay. is. Very few people know how exhausting it is to preach. It really is. It is. Okay, you ready? And then David made me way tireder. Hey, he I really would, messed with me today. I didn't really mess with you. I was you just did. asking critical questions. Yeah. The kind you don't get when you're down in Cheyenne. Yeah, I don't know about that. So critical thinking, is that something that's required? <laughs> For the conservative right? you try to live in that area. If I may interrupt you, gentlemen. No. We're here in the Ramble Room. Diane is here. Tom is off on assignment. And sitting in for him is the... What's the superlative you like to use for yourself, David? Your illustrious host. That's the one I couldn't remember at the time. It's, somehow, when I think of illustrious, your face doesn't pop up. But I thought he was going to go with something like um, the shorter version of Tom Kelly. Well, no, not today. <laughs> The milder, 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 softer, gentler. The less dangerous version of Tom <laughs> Kelly. Speaking of dangerous, we are joined by Representative Mark Jennings, House District 30, who says, I'm very tired, so go easy on me. I didn't say go easy on me. I just said keep, take it into consideration. Okay. Okay, we'll just not. Okay. Well, if you make a mistake and you say the wrong thing, all I got to do is hit the mute button and we don't ever have to hear from you again. But he will already have said the wrong thing and we've got it. That's true. It's a win-win. Going to be quiet on this end of the table. So uh, we've all got this phrase in mind lately called cancel culture. And especially lately you hear about Joe Rogan who said some things that some people were offended at or pretended to be offended at. And so now there's a big spat at Spotify. Try to say that quickly. Oh, a Spotify spat. Yes. The Spotify spat. Um, Loudoun County has determined now, and I'm going to hit several things that seem to be random, but I'm going to tie them together. Loudoun County now has, has begun to explain to children who want to come to church maskless that they will be arrested for trespass church or school this is the school okay you said church okay where's well, the county i'm sitting here looking at a preacher and a deacon yeah indeed i feel like i'm in church where's the county loudon county is in virginia virginia uh, that's pardon my ignorance it's okay that's okay most people want to forget about virginia anyway at least i know i do well, Liz Cheney doesn't because she lives there. Well, that's true. And true. they, by the way, have sent more money than anybody in Wyoming, as have California. To... Well, it's because Wyoming... Oh, now we're off on another ramble. It's because we don't want Liz Cheney here. Anyway. Um, the Speaking city, of canceling. The <laughs> city of San Jose has imposed a fee on any gun owner and then required over and above that that you must have liability insurance and if it is discovered that you own a weapon and have not paid your fee and do not carry concealed carry or any other liability insurance 
you will have your weapons seized. There's so many things wrong with that one. There's also this idea that the Republicans are starting. I'm going to pick on the right just a little bit. Well, the Republicans are necessarily the right, but... Depends on which state. Yeah, you understand what I'm talking about. I'm talking on a federal level. The 1-6 Commission, January 6th Commission, of which aforementioned Cheney is a key part. Barf. Are setting what I'm going to call a president precedent. Now, bear in mind, in medieval times, when a new king took the throne, he would destroy the family of the preceding king, lest there be any challenger to the throne. And most, and their servants, and their households, yes. and everybody. and their children, and their doggies. Off with their heads. And that's kind of what's happening now, is, is now there's talk about, well, we take back the House, and we're pretty confident that we will. We're going to impeach Biden. What we've got here, folks, is failure to communicate. Rather than speaking to each other, we just cancel each other. Shut them up, bag them up, toss them out. And I don't think that's the way we build an effective nation. Any other thoughts? Numerous thoughts. (laughs) Have we ever seen any examples of cancel culture in the great state of Wyoming? Two of them come to mind. The first one would be Troy Bray. Now, we can all agree that the email he sent to Senator Slethers, I mean Tara Nethercott, the email that he sent to her was in no way appropriate. It was terrible. It, we can't condone it. It was awful. I mean, I can't, I can't think of any worse words that could possibly use to well, describe I can, that. But... Well, we can't say most of them without getting canceled. Did you, see, did you notice how I slipped that one in there? Ooh. Yeah. So anyway, um, after he sent the letter, which is obviously his freedom of speech to do so, right, wrong, or indifferent, that's, that's his right to do that. Um, there was a huge effort by the Casper Star and the Cow Pie to just cancel him. There was article after article after article, and I think I lost I lost count at 12. And all of them said pretty much the same thing, but really it was an attempt to say Troy Bray is a bad guy and he needs to be kicked out of the party and we ought not ever see him again. Uh, the second one happened during the special session, and it was... Uh, with Troy McEwen, he posted something on Facebook that said uh, something like, when in doubt, fix bayonets. Um, and there was this huge effort, and I'll let Mark talk about this, but there was this huge effort to say, oh, we have to kick him out now because he posted that. But- well, the Troy McEwen one, I think, was in response <clears throat> to some, probably to the Harshman event. It, it it was in response. They were trying to divert the attention from one of the redcoats, as you would call, being in trouble. And so it really was a diversionary tactic. Um, he used a military terminology. I read it. I wasn't offended by it. I can see why they, the counterculture people would latch on to that. Sometimes our side... And by our side, I mean the conservative movement um, should stop and think a little bit before they insert foot. <laughs> and and it's not a question of that we can't make those mistakes. We, counterculture today is certainly trying to do away with that on our side. But 
<clears throat> we should be a little more cautious. Your first example was a good example of that. Um, Mr. Bray did not need to stoop to those levels. There, there was no call for that. Now, the McEwen event, he, he merely repeated a, a phraseology that would have been used in the military. It, yeah, it, it's an expression, and it's, yeah. he's not talking about literally going into your gun safe and pulling out your... Yeah, right. Well, I think it's important to point out like the circumstances surrounding the, as Mark called it, the, or Representative Je- Jennings called it, the, the Harshman event. So before Steve Harshman was caught on an open mic saying some really terrible things about Representative Chuck Gray, there were two incidents on the floor. One was concerning Representative Chip Nyman, where he said the word... Oh, crap. Yeah. Yeah. He said, oh, crap, on the, on the floor. And he was forced to apologize on the floor of the House. And the other one was Senator um, uh, Larson. He said the word, damn, on the floor, and he was not. More than once. More than once. And he, he wasn't forced to apologize. Yeah, actually, I don't think uh, Representative Nyman was forced to. It was strongly suggested to him, and he he took the upper road and and did that. Um, but there was a kind of a false picture of that that was painted. The speaker said, "Well, I had a complaint." Well, he didn't have a formal complaint at all on, on um, Representative Nyman. I think what had happened was one of the members had family members there that day. And he went up to the speaker and said, you know, it'd probably be better if we didn't have words like that being used. The left typically takes things like that then and puts it in their arsenal to fire back at us and uses this counterculture mentality of always looking for a way to get a leg up on you or force you into something that they they want you to, a direction they want you to go. And our side... We need to be thoughtful and we need to be cautious into what we say. But there's aspects of, hey, when you're right, you don't need to back down. You don't need to apologize for that. Well, and I think in 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 Speaker Barlow's defense, and I hardly ever utter these words, but in Speaker Barlow's, Barlow's <laughs> defense, he did say, after Representative Nyman apo- apologized, he said something like, well, you know, honestly— I'm a veterinarian, and I wasn't offended by that, but yeah. thank you for apologizing. So he did kind of make light of it. Yeah. But I think that brings up another point, because a lot of times when I see things like the Troy McEwen incident with his little post on Facebook, I look at it and go, really? People are actually offended by this? And I, I think that the left has a tendency to blow these things out of proportion, mm-hmm. and then their response is to say, well, we're going to kick you out of the Senate. Posting on Facebook. Yeah, yeah. I I think they they're very likely to grab that and blow it out of proportion, mostly because they're trying to weaponize something that that occurred. Another right. example. I just thought of this one was a city councilman in Gillette, um, uh, Shay Lundvall. All he did was like a post on Facebook, and admittedly, I guess you could look at the one he liked, and I I never never saw it, but. When it, what was described to me could be explained as kind of chauvinistic, but he ended up resigning. Now he ran for office again and got reelected overwhelmingly, but it's just another incident of something that was kind of innocuous online that I looked at it and I was like, yeah, I think that's blown totally out of proportion. I want to 
go back to 30,000 feet and look down at this because we talk about this like this is a brand new thing. I'm a fan of Patrick O'Brien's books. They were set during the Napoleonic era when in the days of chivalry when men would be speaking one to another and one might say, don't do that to me. Why would one, they say one, that? One, yeah. <laughs> one might make a remark in passing and amongst friends or amongst drinking buddies or something, you could say almost anything. But if you're looking for a reason to be offended, you could be offended and then call someone out on the field of honor and there would ensue a duel which might become deadly. This was definitely has gone on probably until within 100 years or so. Now the stakes are different. And to me, they're more lethal. Because not only are we talking about destroying someone's livelihood or that sort of thing, but the legacy, I don't know how to explain it very well. The, the stakes appear higher because no matter what they said, they still had the right to say it. Nobody questioned that. Today... People are gradually, we've become so callous by private entities being able to set the rules and allow council culture, well, it's, it's going to be allowed in that private business, that that becomes the mentality. And now we're taking it into our public life, and we're saying that now governments, whether they be local or state or U.S., have the right to shut people up, to shut people down. And I guess that's, that's the perspective that I'm looking at is if if uh, a particular business says we don't want this going on in our private building, they have the right to do that. But so many different businesses have done that that now we have the kind of herd mentality that thinks that this is okay, this is how things are done. And that is infiltrating at an alarming rate to me, even a republic democratic republic the type of government that we have it's a it's a direct attack on your first amendment rights precisely um your first amendment rights gives you the right to be offended or to offend that doesn't give you the right to stand up in the middle of a, a crowded movie theater and shout fire but it does give you a right to say this is a crummy movie <laughs> you know i'm leaving yeah. <laughs> In the days of chivalry, it might have given you the right to go stand out on the field of honor, or if you didn't want to take it, you could just be called a coward and go yeah. on from there. Um, so I, I think we need a little definition of the difference between a private entity and a public entity, because certainly Facebook mm -hmm. argues that, well, they're, they're a private platform, and therefore they can do whatever, whatever they want. Oh, but Which, they didn't always make that argument. They made the argument first that they were a, a, a public platform. Therefore, they were entitled to the protections that a public, that the public square. Think they of it as the public publisher. square. Yeah, they were. And so um, they weren't liable to, they weren't, they weren't susceptible to libel or slander. You know, they weren't, uh, they weren't as culpable for that because they were a public square. You could... We were founded on the notion that you could walk out into the public square and say, hey, here's my ideas. I think this is better than the ideas we've got going now. Or your idea is crummy. 
You can even say stupid in an obscene thing. Yeah, you you the First Amendment it gives you the right to be stupid. I mean, we've all been there, a time or two, and the, thank goodness the Constitution is. Those guys were wise enough to give us this, the freedom to to make poor statements. Okay, Mark. So does a school have the right to censor your freedom of expression or your freedom of speech? Okay, again, it's a public platform, and so there is a certain level of uh, of freedom in that. But back to the initial argument there, they wanted protection, so they claimed a public platform first. Now they've actually moved away from that. Now they've moved really to the private, but they want to maintain the, the uh, protection of the public platform. And so if you'd look at a, a public platform, whether even a school, there would be certain protections that would come with that. But again, they're moving over into areas of private where they're trying to dictate. Let, let me throw this at you because it might help illustrate where you're trying to go. One of the first questions I had, and that's why I brought up the Loudoun County thing, and it also happened here in Wyoming, where a student refused to go by the regulations of the school board. Wear a mask. And, and arrived without a mask and then was arrested for trespassing. And my first question was, how can you be arrested for trespassing in a public place if you're a taxpayer? Okay. So this is kind of a misunderstood one, I think, a lot of times. So the law cannot... They can't come in and, and uh, arrest you. There was no mask mandate law. So there was no law being violated there. But we'll, we'll use the school as the example. The school board would be the custodian of that public facility. I mean, and this is kind of a generic way of explaining this. It's, and so they have the right. The spirit of the law was like this. You don't have the right to go to your local school board and become violent. You can't threaten them. Then you've moved over into another area of law. Okay. Um, and the spirit was, was th to say, look, we're going to call the local law enforcement. They're going to come here and they're going to ask you to stand down, stop doing what you're doing, or remove yourself, or we will arrest you. And the custodian of the public facility had the right to do that. Now what we're seeing is is that, once again, they're, they're reinterpreting the spirit of that law. They're going to the letter of the law, and they're saying, we're the custodian, therefore we don't like what you're—we feel threatened. They're using the kind of that counterculture thing, idea there. They're using—they've weaponized a law that's never been interpreted that way. And, and the custodial— uh, obligation of them has never been interpreted the way that we're doing it right now. So you mean like they can say, I feel threatened because you don't have a mask? Therefore, you either you either put the mask on or remove yourself from the premises or we're going to ha have the law enforcement arrest you. Mm -hmm. Law enforcement is, they're doing their duty. They were told to come and, and uh, that from the custodian of the public facility— they're being asked to charge trespass. 
And so they have an obligation to show up and, and, and see what the custodian is saying. So let's, let me just ask you just a, what might be a sophomore question. But if you're over at my house, Mark, and I say, Mark, I'm tired of you. Please leave my apartment. And you don't leave. And I say, well, I'll call the cops and have you, have you removed because it's my property, even though I rent it. Is that the same, the same sort of thinking? No. Yours is private property. You have the right who comes and goes. But in, on the public platform, in the public building, someone has to hold that. Uh, and like I said, the spirit of the law looks to me like it's always been interpreted that anyone could come and express whatever free thought they wanted to express as long as they didn't inflict harm or, you know, they were destroying property or something like that, the public property. And there are pe- those people who are the public custodian. They're, they're custodians of that public facility. And so your example in your place is you are the, you are the private ownership of that piece of property, even if or you're renting lessee, it. Or lessee. Yeah. Right. And so you have the right to, to make those decisions. The public uh, custodian has always been interpreted that there were only a handful of things that rose to the level that you wanted to have someone removed or charged with trespass. And we've, we have reinterpreted that. Our counterculture people have done that. And it's, it's a very dangerous attack on free speech. It's a terrible attack on our First Amendment rights. It used to be that the law could be effective whenever there was evidence of actual harm or serious risk of harm. And now we've moved that threshold back to where if I perceive a threat, therefore the law has to come up and protect me from just my perceived threat. Well, folks, the world is a dangerous place. We're under threat all the time. And we're not actually protected when it comes right down to it by these authorities that we would rely upon to be there for us. The fact is, it is still a primitive world. We are still individually responsible, ultimately, for our own safety and protection. But if you want to control people, you have to take that concept away from them. And that's what I'm seeing happen, and that's the insidiousness behind this, is we're trying to sell the, the culture is trying to sell a, a lie to people that we'll take care of you. We don't want you to feel threatened. You should feel safe wherever you are, which is a lie. You're not safe anywhere. That's how the world is. But I think the other side of that where you're talking about control is that the cancel culture part of it has people afraid that I won't be accepted here if I say the wrong thing, so I'm just not going to say the wrong thing. What would happen to me if Facebook wouldn't let me on? You know, my life is over. What if I can't go to Walmart? What if school, you know, what if we can't go into the school and do what we want to do? And and so rather than challenge that, where this is unacceptable to be limiting my free speech, we just, we back down because we want to be accepted. I'm not stepping out of this. Everybody's in this group. I'm not going to be outside this group. Well, and I think you bring up a good point, Diane, that like the proper role of the proper proper box that government is supposed to be in is the harms principle, that the only legitimate use of government force is to prevent harm to another people, another person. And but but when Mill wrote that, he didn't mean 
perceived harm. He meant actual harm. So, I mean, we've, we've changed that to be what you right. said, you know, a perceived harm. Well, I think this person is, is hurting me, or what they said is hurting me. Joe Rogan used the N-word, therefore we should take away his livelihood. That's not actual harm. It's perceived harm. If he says those things, don't listen. Well, and I think the First Amendment, it like its very existence is to protect, and it's it's kind of contradictory because— I think that the purpose of it is to protect those things with which we disagree, you know, and that that people might say some really vile stuff, but again, that's their right to do it, and it is only through allowing them to do so that the rest of us have a, yeah. a freedom to say what we want to say. You can you can listen to rap and hip hop lyrics and hear vile stuff. It's okay for some people to say it. It's not okay for other people to say it. One other thing I wanted to throw in here for the, into this discussion. Nancy Pelosi telling the Olympic athletes, be quiet, keep your head down, don't get into trouble, don't express opinions. That is so dangerous. I think the sinister part in this is is that it, the counterculture is really, it's getting traction that they're going to be the thought police. And mm. you're, you're then inside other people's motives for why they might make a stupid statement. And how does that make us different from the CCP? Yeah. The communist Chinese, that's what they do, and we're becoming just like that. And I think back to Diana's statement there, I think that is the danger. The danger then becomes, I won't speak at all, so that I'm... There's a saying in uh, Japan, or there used to be one, that says the the nail that sticks out is the one that gets hammered, and I think you uh, you're you're onto that aspect of it that people won't speak. Be diversity of thought, which helped bring this country to a lot of the good things, um, then becomes. You know, let me back up. The, the diversity of thought with self-control. Because let's not forget the second part to this equation, because self-control is a is an important aspect also. And um, your rights and freedoms are that, but they're never unlimited. They're never. There's no. Unless it's firearms. Well. Well, even then, you can't. I think even then, I'm. <laughs> I just was watching your face. I wanted to see the reaction. That was all. I am armed. <laughs> Who isn't? <laughs> Good point. And even in that, we'd probably all be a little nervous if our neighbor was building a nuclear weapon. Yeah, if I, if I saw my neighbors over here, and they, we live next to an apartment building, and there are a lot of ne'er-do-wells that come and go from there. Last night, there were a bunch of people standing on the street yelling at each other. And if somebody had stepped out onto the street with an AK, I'd have been a little bit nervous about it. I'm prepared to meet that threat. Yeah. But... Um, because there are always going to be evil and bad and dangerous things there, we need to be the the end protector of ourselves. And that doesn't just go for physical protection. That goes for things like freedom of thought, freedom of expression. Yeah. If we don't stand up like Diane suggested people were afraid to and say what we feel, we'll never be allowed to say anything again. Well, you brought up guns. And like I personally believe that 
that the cost of you being able to have the right to own a firearm, the cost of that is the possibility that somebody else might shoot you. Right? But if we if we intend to take away all danger from firearms, which by the way you can't do, but if we if we tried to take that danger out of the equation, well then you wouldn't have a right to own a gun at all. And I think that the same is true for the First Amendment. You know, there are we can all agree that there are um, different religions on the planet. Since I'm talking with two pastors, um, there are different religions on the planet. One of which is is very very violent. Um, the other um, preaches exactly the opposite. But if we if we take this cancel culture to its terminal extreme, well, then you you have to eliminate all all manner of thought, right? Except that which is publicly acceptable. And when we look at the the cancel culture, what is publicly acceptable is the agenda of folks that want to squash independent thought. That you have to think the way that I do. Or you're a danger, and I'm going to cancel you. Winston loved Big Brother. I don't think that's I don't think that's the public thought. It, it's the elitist thought. It's Certainly. whoever yeah. whoever owns the. That's, that's what I'm saying. Winston yeah. was the main character in 1984, and he resisted and he resisted until they just overwhelmed him. And in the end of it, Winston loved Big Brother. Yep. He just gave up. Two plus two is five. Sure. War is peace, freedom is slavery. But I think when you look look at it in a broader in a broader context, we are taking things that, first of all, they don't they don't measure up to the harms principle, that speech does not cause actual harm, right? If if Joe Rogan wants to use the N word, well, it's his platform and he can do with it what he wants. You know, if he if people don't like it, they don't have to listen. Yeah. Well, um, the, and that's what one comment on what he was saying, and I'll, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but. Whatever happened to just letting the market take care of things like that? Oh, Why do not. we have to try to destroy him? Turn it off. Because you don't control the market. You don't control other people. But I control what I listen to. Yeah. And if he offends me, I can turn him off. But very few Why do people, I have to hurt him, too? Very few people among the elitists are satisfied with that kind of control. I don't know what it is about people that want more control. Well, they don't like free market to begin with. Exactly. I mean, they don't their ideas do not compete well in the arena of ideas. And so it, counterculture is about eliminating those other person's thoughts that might get in there. You uh, there's there's an aspect to it that uh, again, I don't know that we've touched much on it. Washington says in the farewell address, this type of republic is only, or this type of government is only for religious and moral people, mm -hmm. indicating that there is self-restraint, there is self-responsibility, there is self-discipline. Those freedoms don't come with unlimited, unbridled freedom. There are restrictions, and you, the people, they believe that you, the people, are wise enough to figure out those some of those restrictions. Well, we've we've gone about the business of not teaching that, and we've gone about the business of of uh, turning this counterculture loose and and people not. I I personally believe that there's a lot of people out there that um, that have thought this through, and they're sick and tired of it now. Whether or not they're sick and tired enough of it to speak out, I think that's what you're seeing. You are seeing more people awaken to that fact. 
but is it enough? We're we, we shall see. That's why we're yeah. here. And so, so one one thing, if I could jump in here sure. real quick, is that that the only way that you can have true liberty is if you have personal responsibility that goes along with it. Mm-hmm. So, a good example of that: stand your ground law. Okay, you have the if you're feeling personally threatened that you feel that your life is in in danger. Well, you've got the right to smoke that person that's coming after you. However, you are responsible for where that bullet ends up. That, that where if it goes through the person that's attacking you and hits someone else, that's your responsibility. And I think when we look at look at cancel culture culture, and this thought just occurred to me, that we're we're attempting to take personal responsibility out of the equation, right? That just just fall in line with what we say, and we will take care of you. Okay, you don't have to worry about anything else. We'll we're just going to take care of you. And if you look at the ideology of the left, socialists, communists, um, redcoats, that's exactly what they want to do: is to take your personal responsibility out of it. So you know, don't worry about getting your job. You know, we'll put you on welfare, or you know, don't worry about paying for your own your own health care, we've got Medicaid expansion. But the root of all of this that we've been discussing, I think, is personal responsibility. That sounds like some things we said recently, doesn't it? It does. It does. When you speak the truth, you don't have to try to remember what you said last week because it's still true. Now, now, hold on. You wouldn't be referring to my favorite, my, my current favorite legislator, would you? <laughs> What you were saying, though, is really tightly tied to morality because that's what they're also doing is saying, we'll take care of you, and so you don't have to worry about the consequences of your actions that used to be considered your problem. Exactly. But there's no such thing as doing the right thing. I should be able to do whatever I want, and someone else should pick up the pieces. The same ideology holds holds a very tight leash on arbitrary truth. They believe that it's arbitrary. And um, we conservatives believe that there's true truth. Mm-hmm. It's based on Judeo-Christian principles that um, this country was founded upon. And those true truths teach us that there are self-responsibilities, self-discipline. There's, and, uh, and consequences Consequences, for yeah. Or for surrendering your—you surrender your responsibility, and you also surrender your liberty. They, they go hand in hand. I want to take kind of a final leap here. We've we've discussed all of these issues and why cancel culture is a problem. So what's the answer and how do we fight back? Well, it was what, about 14, 15 months ago, David, that you started the Cowboy State Politics? Yeah, around there. And uh, first of last year, so we've been doing this about 13 months, we started the Ramble Room. And we have inspired at least two other people to at start... Least podcasts that are going to be added to this little family that's one way that we fight back against this intrusion on our first amendment rights you people as listeners are also involved when you support these shows when you listen to these shows and when you share them because the more people that are listening the less they're going to be able to listen to the elites that would sit in their high towers and tell you you can't think that way. And I will tell you that that they're concerned. Listen, um, I, on, in my other in my political side of this, 
uh, they're very concerned. They don't like the public really knowing. I've I've actually had uh, legislators tell friends of mine that, uh, hey, look, there's uh, most people like to be led. They like to be told what they they elect you and they want you to go take care of everything. Then they don't really want to see you again until the next election. I'll never forget Ogden Driscoll saying, "You're one of us now." Yeah. Yeah. I can't wait for him to say that to me. <laughs> well, and I think it's the it's always been a battle between, you know, personal liberty and paternalism. You know, the there's one segment of, you know, that that you deal with in your in your political job, Mark, that um, they they believe in paternalism, the Medicaid expansion folks, the uh, welfare, you know, big government type of folks, and then there's the other side that believes in liberty and personal responsibility. And I mean, it's it, it terrifies me that we might get to the point where, you know, your job ends up being, you know, leading people around by the nose. You know, the truth is that people who are in positions of, you know, power elected office, there are employees. Yeah, I'm supposed to be actually the the terminology would really be closer to there. You're the public servant. Yeah, and think about instead of the other way around. Think about that. The, that Same word thing is true from the church. Yeah. You know, something that you guys may not be aware of, um, if you listen to this program, is that when Mark preaches, um, he's got a giant dictionary that sits on the pulpit with him. And, you know, a lot of times he'll be going through a scripture and he'll be like, ooh, that's an interesting word. Let's look that up and find out what it means. And It'll be a Greek dictionary. No, it's the Webster's 1868. 20, 1828. <laughs> 20, is that the 28? 20, 20. Okay. See, even I'm not it, it was already going question. downhill by 68. Yeah, yeah, well, sure. But the point is, like, Mark brought it up, that you're a public servant. So if you look at the derivation of the word servant, it means that you're not the one that's in charge. You're to do the bidding of the people that sent you there. Remember that newly elected diakonos? The deacon, the word... Ah, indeed. The word deacon comes from the Greek diakonos, and it means a servant. Yeah. Yes. You you said one other word that I think that we ought to. Um, uh, personal responsibility. It, it's it's accountability also. You know, I mean that's a part of that Certainly. picture. Is we're going to do some of those things, and and we have an accountability. If we have a Judeo Christian um, outlook, we believe that the the true truth says that we're going to be held accountable for. Um, every every word that we speak. And so if we look at that accountability, and not that there's not forgiveness, good, goodness knows I need lots of that, mm-hmm. and grace, but it, it, it brings a, a worldview to, to our lives of uh, being held accountable and being, re- therefore, let's be responsible with the freedoms of, these God-given freedoms, and they're God-given. I mean, that's why they're not so easily to be taken away from us. You brought us back to that picture that I brought up earlier about the days of chivalry when two men might stand. They were accountable for their words, held accountable. Yeah. They were responsible for their words, they and themselves alone. Now that we have this internet, Twitter, for example, what a cesspool. Yeah, it's a sewer. Yeah, you you go on there. There's no you can say anything you want, and there's really no repercussion. Unless, there's no responsibility. Uh, unless you're a conservative. There's no responsibility, and then there is no liberty. 
Well, I think that's a perfect place to end this. That's what I was going to do.